What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and we are going to do another screen share presentation thing. So, um, for those listening, um, 100% hit the show notes and watch the video because we're going to go through um, a couple photos, demos of exercises and like things like that to kind of get my point across on what we're going to talk about today, which I'm super psyched because it is a topic that I am super passionate about in the sense that so many people still do stupid shit in the gym and I, you know, no matter how much I try to hammer this out, um, to say the least, it still pisses me off, but. Anyway, we're going to get into it right away because I want to keep this under 30 minutes because I know I'm going to talk forever about this. So we're going to talk about functional core training. So what the hell does that mean, first of all? Um, If you are an individual that still believes that doing nonstop like crunches is going to, you know, get the aesthetic look that you're hoping for, you're probably not going to get there. You're probably going to end up with some sort of uh, low back pain, um, stiffness, uh, buckling, things like that. And we're going to kind of go through, um, number one, why crunches or any kind of flexion-based core exercises is not the greatest for you. And my kind of like a go-to when it comes to anything spine related, core related is looking at the best in the industry when it comes to that topic, right? It's just like if you were a bodybuilder and you wanted to get big freaking biceps to have like huge peaks on them, you know, you'd probably want to find another bodybuilder that is known for that, like has a lot, a lot of experience and who usually comes to mind, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you would probably want to listen to him when it comes to, you know, building huge biceps um, that stick out. But for some reason, when it comes to other things in the fitness industry, people just go on Instagram and look at, oh, that person looks fit. I'm going to follow what they do. Um, whereas if you go down the rabbit hole of finding experts in the field, like Dr. Sue McGill, when it comes to the spine, people still don't tend to listen. And this dude has probably had, I don't know, at least 35 years of experience and research when it comes to spine mechanics and what works for the spine and what doesn't seems like you should probably listen to that guy. So Let's go through this rabbit hole of functional core training and kind of go from there. So I'm going to share my screen. Hopefully I don't have any hiccups like I did before. Uh, Okay. I also want to... Somehow I'm unmuted. I muted myself and unmuted myself. (laughs) I was just going to say I kind of want to make my little screen here a little bit bigger. Um, So what we're going to look at is a couple things. 
Number one. Um, let's all look at this first. If it's going to pop up. All right. All right. All right. All right. Don't worry about the dude on the left here where, you know, he's showcasing good posture in the desk because that's a whole other topic. But what I want people to kind of look at is the guy on the right. I'm trying to move myself out of that. There you go. This, we all know and can probably agree that is not the greatest posture for a prolonged time. So when you look at forward flexion, so we have flexion of the T-spine and lumbar spine and like that whole poke neck thing because we're all like this on our laptops looking. <laughs> we all know that's not the best. We all know that when you sit for way too long, things get tight, things get painful, you want to stand up, you want to move around and stuff like that. So what is... This is how I make my point clear. What is the difference between this guy sitting and where are we? This guy. I'm happy that I can do this. Does this guy doing crunches look similar to this guy sitting? Looks basically the same. So, here's my point. The standard general population person will wake up, go into their car, commute for an hour sitting, get into their desk at work and sit for 8 to 10 hours, then go back into their car and sit for another hour in traffic, and then come home, sit down at a dinner table, and then finish the night off sitting on the couch watching whatever show that's on or whatever is good enough to turn off the mind. So probably 70% of our day we're in this forward flex position. So why would a general population person decide that, hey, on Mondays and Wednesday nights I'm going to go to the gym to – get fit, work on my health, and I'm going to finish my workout with crunches that promotes the same type of posture as me sitting all day. So already there, many of you um, who don't know this would be like, fuck, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's go even further. If you look at people doing crunches, where do people usually fatigue or feel it first? It's usually like their low back. Research has proved time and time again that our spine does not like repeated forward flexion. What happens is things like, let me see, let me see. Oh, this is actually perfect too. I didn't even plan this. This spine our lumbar spine here is already in flexion. So I wonder if I can actually, mm, it doesn't get bigger, but oh well. When we look at our vertebrae here, and I'm already doing this hunch posture because I'm like trying to look at the, the thing. Um, 
we have these discs in between each vertebrae. Now imagine if you take a sandwich that's loaded with stuff that like fucking loaded with a lot of meat, a lot of tomatoes, pickles, onions, everything. And you're holding it on one end because you're going to eat it like this. And you're like squishing everything so it doesn't fall through and falls onto your hand. And then you have the top portion of the, uh, the sandwich that's opened and everything is pushing this way. Or you're one of those people that holds a sandwich right dead center. You take a bite and everything from the bottom slips out, right? So you have all this pressure on one end and you're pushing all the other stuff on the inside between the two pieces of bread out towards your plate or onto your hands. So our spine is very, very similar. So imagine all these discs are the inside of your sandwich, the delicious stuff. And our vertebrae, say let's go L5 and L4, are our two pieces of sandwiches. and Oh, two pieces of bread, sorry. And we squish one side, all the stuff comes up this way. So your disc actually pushes out. So that's called a bulging disc. And a really, really freaking common. And what's kind of like all in front of here? A lot of fucking nerve endings. Once that disc gets pushed out, it could push against one of those, and now you have low back pain, like the sharp shooting pain, um, the sharp shooting kind, where it's nerve-related and nothing that you do helps, stretching doesn't help, or anything like that. That's, again, a whole other topic. Nerves hate being stretched. What do people with low back pain do first thing in the morning? They want to stretch their low back, which is like the worst thing you can do. So... That individual that keeps sitting all day, keeps going to the gym, doing um, crunches and other exercises that just other crunch variations that um, end up putting your lumbar spine into flexion, you're just like feeding the fire, the fuel to the fire to make your low back really pissed off. So the other thing, that I always get. So sometimes I'll talk to a coach that still believes that, you know, uh, crunches is still a great core exercise and they'll make the argument. Well, you know, if you bend your knees, you're not going to have your um, low back involved and your lumbar spine will be neutral. I'm like, okay, well let's go down that pathway. So, I get rid of this photo. So kind of similar to like this guy, right? Like it kind of looks fairly neutral. So for that person that sits like this for a long, long time, our body tends to like to stay in that posture because this is what happens. Our body adapts to whatever stress you put on it. So an example is you go to the gym, you do a bicep curl with a 15-pound dumbbell. You do 10 reps. The next day you're kind of sore. So the next week you go back to the gym, you repeat your program or workout and you decide to go back to that bicep curl. And the moment you start doing bicep curls with the same weight, same reps, it becomes easier. Like your body adapted to that stress, everything repaired because your nervous system goes, okay, the next time we do this, we're going to make sure that we're ready for it. So now you have to follow the principle of progressive overload. You have to do more volume to get that training effect 
right? So our bodies are really efficient at adapting to what you throw at it. So it goes for everything we do. So in this case, when we sit every single day, our body wants to get really efficient at doing it. So it's going to help you, you know, in a shitty way, to get you more efficient at sitting. So in order to be in this position, like your hips are in flexion. So imagine if this guy's feet or legs were straight, and now we bend them to be in a sitting, a sitting position that is flexion of the hips. So your body goes, well, you have these things called hip flexors. I'm going to keep them tight to make you more efficient at sitting because it requires hip flexion. So where am I going with this? Let's look at our psoas major, which is our hip flexor. Oh, perfect. I love this view. All right. So hip flexor, and it goes right to where our femur is and our femoral neck. And attaches, oh, look at this. Look at all these vertebrae, basically L1 to L5. Our hip flexor goes right towards that lumbar region. So that person that sits all day, all of this stuff is super fucking tight. And it connects to our lumbar spine. And it pulls down on it. So now you have tension on the lumbar uh, region and it's kind of that like trifecta almost we're getting to that point where there's so many things that we're doing that is constantly feeding the fire to more low back pain right so you bending your legs to help you with crunches is not actually doing anything right you're still going to get lumbar flexion or flexion in you know the um, higher vertebrae, say like T12, T11, whatever it is, and you're still going to promote those discs being pushed and squeezed into positions that you don't want. Now, say I'm chatting with another lovely coach out there that believes that our spine needs to be um, mobile, which it does, but I'm always speaking for the general population. So there's something called a Jefferson curl. Let's go look at what that looks like. Uh, da, 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 this guy. So the Jefferson curl, I don't know who invented it, some dude named Jefferson. You start in a straight um, position, like just standing with a kettlebell, barbell. It's traditionally done with barbell. And you slowly lower your spine until you get past your toes. So this is a great example of what your spine absolutely fucking hates if you're a um, general population person. Loaded forward flexion. Research has time and time again shown that when you load flexion, you have a really high chance of injuring yourself like royally. And this is a thing too that I've seen um, in clinic and in practice with uh, clients is that with low back pain, it comes out of nowhere. You have no idea where, um, what triggered it unless it was like, I picked up my kid and my entire back gave out. Most of the time, like low back pain will like creep up out of nowhere. And it could be what you do in the gym in combination with your lifestyle 
and weird movements that you did in the morning or something like that. So, you know, in theory, this could be a good exercise for some, but not many are, you know, meant to do that. So I just wanted to show that, you know, people out there will say like, oh, the Jefferson curl is a great way to build a strong spine. But it's really easy to claim um, anything online, especially on Instagram. Like there's so much bullshit on there. And I get frustrated when people will like send me a video and be like, oh, like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, people just spewing out bullshit as always. But anyway, let's look at something else here. I wanted to share. I'm kind of going all over the place, but I think we can kind of agree now that forward flexion, just like this guy sitting, is not going to be the best choice for core exercises for the general population. Um, there are time and places when you might have to train flexion, and the only time I can think about that is a boxer or a mixed martial artist because they're in forward flexion a lot. But I've spoken to so many top performance coaches on that topic specifically, and they're like, why would I want to train more flexion on these guys who are already doing so much flexion on the floor, on the mat, whatever you know, type of martial art that they're practicing? It makes no sense. Like you loading flexion when you're already doing flexion hours on end during the week, you're just overloading it. It's just like you deciding to do bench press five days a week. You're going to overload that pattern and other things are going to, you know, suffer. So core training is kind of the same. So what I want to go through next is, um, there's one more photo I wanted to show. Uh, here. This is another example of, um, the Jefferson curl, but, I've seen so many times where people actually deadlift like this, and I'm like, just why? Why, 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 why? You need to teach yourself how to keep a neutral spine. So if you actually go through the works of Dr. Stuart McGill, our spine is um, designed to fight motion, right? Like, in order to generate force and power and velocity and all those things, you need to be able to create stiffness and stability um, proximally, which means like within my, my core to be able to create distal stability and power and strength. Right? So this guy here is not demonstrating that at all, at all. But if you were trying to train for some god-awful reason, the Jefferson curl, then sure, this is where you should do it. But again, there's a time and place for everything. For the general population, it's like, look, you, you ride your bike on the weekends for fun, but then your friend is like a downhill mountain biker that's professional, and they're like, you should come do a black diamond run. Like that's literally the same thing. Like the chances of you getting injured and falling on your face and breaking your like collarbone is pretty high. So 
Like you got to kind of know where you're at. And that's where like a whole nother topic of like, you got to stop listening to your ego and stuff like that. So what else did I have in here before I kind of go in? Um, again, like I'll, I'll bring this up. Like if you look at our lumbar spine in this photo, like this whole section right here is designed to be stable, right? And if you look at biomechanics or like how every single part of our body is designed to work, it would make sense to train to enhance that, right? Like our legs are meant to run. So why would you do movements that don't resemble any kind of running movements or utilizing your muscles um, that would, you know, help in creating a movement like running, right? Like it's just like, it's literally common sense. Like if your elbow is meant to bend, um, like flex and extend, it would make sense to train movements like that rather than like, no, I'm going to train my elbow joint, like my neck, like it doesn't make sense. So it's the same thing. Um, the other thing I wanted to show is the rest of the spine. So we know now that our lumbar spine is supposed to be, um, let me get rid of this guy. Um, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? There we go. Um, our lumbar spine is designed to be stable. So when we look at um, the rest of our vertebrae along our spine, our thoracic spine, which is this junction right here, is designed to be super mobile. This is where we should be moving and within our hip junction. Our cervical spine is also designed for movement, but also stability at the same time, which is a whole nother thing which we may or may not get into today. Um, so, if we know that our lumbar spine is supposed to be stable, our thoracic spine is supposed to be mobile, how do we train our core, that's not crunches, to one, get the aesthetic look that we're hoping for, and number two, preventing any kind of low back pain or injury and utilizing functional core exercises. So number one, like a lot of times when people want to continue doing crunches, it's because they want to get the aesthetic look. So if you look at EMG studies where they literally attach like electrodes to you and things like that to see how much muscle activation, like comparing a crunch to a front plank, the crunch is quite low, right? Whereas the front plank requires a lot more stability, which requires a lot more muscle fibers, which requires more calories to be used for energy expenditure, which means that you're going to get closer to your fat loss goals. So we're going to go down the rabbit hole of functional core exercises. So where I like to start is breathing. So we're going to go back to my lovely, lovely um, YouTube page, which, by the way, you guys should subscribe because I post a lot, like a lot. Um and, you know, if you need a library of exercises or ideas or demos or tutorials, like this is where you should go or like even watching this video. Um, so we're going to play this guy. 
And the reason why I want to show this is that in order to create, you know, stiffness, you need to be able to utilize your diaphragm like I am in this video. So as you can see, my chest does not move at all. And then look at how much that diaphragm expands and then is able to come back down to resting. So this teaches your body how to create stability. I kind of look at breathing as your first domino piece of the puzzle to create core stability. So a lot of times when people, when I get them into this position, they kind of just breathe through that top hand. They have, they've learned a new way to breathe with their chest. And then you wonder why people's traps are super tight and their neck is super tight. So when you create intra-abdominal pressure, it all starts with breathing, right? So when you look at, again, lumbar spine, you remember how we had the photo of our hip flexors, right? So if you look at my hip and then the psoas major like comes up to here, passes the lumbar spine, it kind of goes where our diaphragm is. So if you know that someone sits, they have tight hip flexors, and you know that the hip flexor kind of runs close to the diaphragm and you don't know how to use your diaphragm at all, it would probably make sense that if you trained your diaphragm to move more effectively, it can release some tension on the um, hip flexor. And then in return, your low back won't feel as tight. So our diaphragm can expand in kind of like a 360 degree um, expansion. So not only is it able to push out, but it can also go um, on the side. So uh, sideline breathing. So this I like to utilize kind of with patients who are, you know, getting better at breathing and get them on a sideline position and place their hands here and try to expand in this position. This is very, very difficult. I've seen with a lot of people that sometimes they'll end up being able to do one side and the other can't. So now we already have an energy leak. So how are you supposed to create stability when you can't even breathe into one section of your, you know, core, your torso? Right? And then if you look at from this side, if you look at my thumb, like it expands, like I it can breathe into the, my back essentially. So that would probably play a huge role in creating low back stiffness and like safety if I'm going to deadlift, right? Like it makes sense. So once I teach my body how to breathe, now I know how to create core stability. I know how to create stiffness. And I like to go into what our, you know, um, spine, aka our lumbar spine, is designed to do. Why is this up here? Hmm. I knew I was going to run into something. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> oh, there we go. So if you look at what our core is designed to do to protect our spine, it's supposed to fight movement. So what are the movements that we need to fight off. So there's flexion, there's extension, there's lateral flexion, and there's rotation and hip flexion. So some basic things would be like a front plank or a side plank, but things like an anti-rotation press, which I absolutely love. Let's go look at one of those. 
Again, so many freaking tutorials. But you know what? Let's look at this one. It's more of an advanced exercise, but of course, this would happen. Ads. I did not think this would happen, but so I'm doing a half kneeling uh, anti-rotation press. So once I press out like this, and I don't know why the video is terrible quality. Actually, hopefully I get a different angle. Let's continue watching. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not, it's not going to continue. But the moment I press out, the cable, and you can't see this invisible line, is pulling my body inwards. So in a half kneeling position, what I love about it compared to standing, this right glute of mine needs to squeeze and how many people want better looking glutes so here you go there's an isometric right away also how many people i've been told by their physio or chiro that their glutes are not strong enough and their hamstrings are super dominant and they get low back pain when they do a glute bridge so already i'm like tackling two things you're also teaching your this right hip how to stabilize how many people have had hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain due to weak hips that can't stabilize? All right, so we got three things. So now we're going to do a press with that cable, and we're extending the lever. Because like just standing here in that half-kneel position, yeah, I'm getting pulled out, and I can learn how to stabilize. But the moment I start pressing out, I have a longer lever, which requires more for me to stabilize. So I'm going to create that stability. And then, you know, something like this that I've, I do with people that start off, I will add that front raise. So not only am I fighting rotation, I'm also fighting extension. So the moment I'm bringing my, um, my hands with the cable up towards the ceiling, going into flexion, I'm fighting um, extension. Because if I go all the way up towards the ceiling... I'm going to be in an extended position where, you know, it'll be easy to utilize my low back, which I didn't even mention. In a half-kneel position, it's really hard to extend through lumbar spine. So it's another way to teach how to utilize hips instead of low back and, you know, reteach your body how to utilize your hips. Also, this other exercise, when you get to the very top, you're also finding antilateral flexion. So in this one exercise, I'm teaching my body so many different things to bulletproof it, to ensure that I'm not injuring my low back down the road. So let's get out of here and look at some other core exercises that I absolutely love. Uh... So one of my favorite pieces of equipment is the TRX. So number one, when you place yourself in a TRX like I am right now, oh man, I missed those uh, Converse shoes. Anyway, um, there's a lot of unstable positions because like these handles move all the time. So I have to create a lot of stiffness, which my lumbar spine really, really likes. And I'm actually happy that I chose this because number one, 
let's hip flexion is one way to train our core effectively. But now look at my lumbar spine. Like there is some flexion in here. So let me try to stop. Boom. Flexion. So remember how I said our spine does not like flexion. The moment, like this is the cool thing about our industry, but this is also an, a kind of a shitty thing because people end up um, taking it too far and spewing up bullshit. The moment you know the rules, that's when you can break them. So, yes, I'm putting my lumbar into flexion, but it's not loaded. This exercise is an advanced exercise that most general population people won't be using. But this also comes down to a coaching thing. So, you know, us coaches should also be coached. So if I had a trainer and they saw that, they should be good enough to be like, hey, keep your hips lower. Make sure you're not rounding. But then if you look at my anatomy and the exception of the rule. If I'm able to get into that position, I should be able to train in that position. So there's a lot of, you know, here's one way of doing it in my industry, and then here's another way of doing it. So there's always an exception to the rule. So if I saw a client of mine who has low back pain, or just like a client of mine that has low back pain in general, I wouldn't give them this exercise. If I had, say, a yogi that is super flexible and their spine is like a freaking like noodle, I wouldn't be worried about something like this. If I had a general population person and I want them to give uh, this sort of exercise doing um, hip flexion, I would get them not to drive their knees as far as possible. I would get them into a position where it's at 90 degrees, which I'm going to show an example of. wonder how we are on time. I'm going to end up talking forever. So here. I think I might have even shown this last time. but So if you look at me here, doing a slow motion mountain climber. Hip flexion, just like the atomic crunch. But now look at my lumbar spine. Super neutral, super stable. And I hold this for a while to teach my body how to stabilize hip flexion, right? Neutral. The other video is just a great example of how there's always exceptions to the rule, right? So this is what I actually would teach to a client of mine or a patient. Learn how to stabilize hip flexion with your lumbar spine, right? This is functional core training at its finest if I had to, like, choose something. Right, so now we went over like breathing, um, we went over like basic planks, um, hip flexion, and now I also want to show um, anti-lateral flexion. Now we also did uh, anti-rotation, so fighting any kind of rotation. Uh, farmer carry. So a single arm farmer carry. So if you think of being able to pick up an object like here and resisting lateral flexion, like one, you have to be really careful because I don't give 
um, a single arm pharmacary right off the bat because it places a lot of tension on the opposite side of the low back. So like your QL and things like that. So you want to be really, really careful doing something like this really, really close to where you, you know, start out on your fitness journey. So learning how to create stiffness in the very beginning and then challenging like this, super functional. I love carries, such a functional exercise. Um, the other thing is any kind of dead bug variation. So I'm going to showcase one of my favorite variations of the dead bug. This guy. So sometimes using an implement like a yoga block and crushing it, like you can see like my death grip of my fingers, like I'm crushing that thing, like I want to break it. That teaches this area stiffness and stability. And now I am teaching my body how to fight one extension, but also hip flexion. Cause like, if you look at that, that's hip flexion, but just in a different position. And that's the cool thing about training is like, okay, how can I do hip flexion? I can do a dead bug. I can do a mountain climber. I can, but sky's the limit of how you can do this. Right. And this is where like the art comes into um, creating a program for the individual. And this is a whole nother like thing that we can get into is why people need to get an assessment done which I've done a podcast episode about to make training specific to the individual and not just like a cookie cutter program. Now, the other thing is like rotary stability. I really hope I'm not going over time, but you know, it is what it is. Bird dogs. One of my favorite ways, and I feel like I might've invented this exercise. So if someone finds it out, finds out online, someone else is doing this. So um, why is it speeding up? Or maybe I did that. Anyway, so a traditional bird dog is like the arm in front extending forward and then the other leg um, extending back. So what I find a lot of times, so this is how it looks on this direction. Um, people kind of just go through the bird dog just through the motion and you know it is what it is like they don't think about it so i try to find ways to create you know exercise like the bird dog where people feel it right away and they're like oh fuck this is really hard so number one when you're in a, qu a quadruped position like you have all four points of contact the reason why the bird dog should be difficult is now you're on only two points of contact with your hand and leg down right and that creates an unstable surface and you need to stabilize it but I find a lot of times people end up just using lumbar spine to extend that back leg if they're going to kick back. And then they end up like extending their arm up and they end up arching and it's just terrible. So I thought of, okay, number one, I'm going to make an isometric. So when I do this bird dog variation, I hold this position for 10 seconds and then come back in. And in that position, I'm telling people like drive that fist even higher, drive that knee even higher. So they're trying to get more tension, more feedback, and they feel it right away. But the other thing, too, what I thought about this exercise is, like, what are two other things that people are terrible at? They're terrible at activating this stuff on the hip, like the, those external rotators, right? So the stuff that, 
like lateral lunges, step ups, like stuff that requires a lot of single leg strength all comes from those hip stabilizers. People are terrible at it. So I'm like, why don't I add like hip flexion and hip abduction and hold it isometrically for 10 seconds? The other thing that people are terrible at are um, shoulder mobility in general, especially external rotation. So I have this arm in abduction and external rotation. I'm telling people to like use their fist to like drive it back as much as possible and they feel it right away. So now I have three things. So like core stability from the bird dog position, uh, hip stability and shoulder stability all working all at the same time. Right. So this is the kind of stuff that people should be doing. And it blows my mind that people still fall into those patterns of like, Oh, I'm just going to go do crunches or like whatever, go on a machine that does the crunch for me. Like stop, just stop doing this stuff will bulletproof you for life. And then you can challenge yourself beyond things that you could ever imagine. So I'm going to stop it there. Cause I feel like I could talk for like hours on this topic, but hopefully that sheds some light on functional core training and how to protect your low back and what our backs are designed to do and things like that. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, thank you so much for listening and watching. And for those who were just listening this whole time, hundred percent hit the show notes and watch this episode and add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, um, share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are amazing until next time. And let's stop the screen share. And that's it for me, you guys. Till next time.